and um, three quarters Norwegian, and uh, I survived to tell the story. Uh, <laughs> she is a wonderful one. I wish she could be here. She's uh, definitely the better half of our relationship. Really wonderful woman. And um, <coughs> I, I tell the story in terms of conflict. I'm a conflict avoider. My wife's a conflict engager. And uh, <laughs> I tell the story. Remember, remember years ago, uh, during the Cold War, tail end of the Cold War, Russia, USSR had a submarine and it, it, it uh, was outside of Stockholm. It was in the, the, the deep harbor outside of Stockholm and the Swedes were all, you know, wringing their hands about what are we going to do? You know, there's a submarine there. We don't know what to do. And a few weeks later, the story came out that the Norwegian Navy spotted what they thought was a Russian sub off the coast of Norway, and they just fired on it. That's, that's the difference between Swedes and Norwegians. So I married the Norwegian. Uh, I, I uh, want to spend the last time talking a little bit about conflict resolution and give you some tips there and, and uh, hopefully give you some uh, encouragement there as well. Uh, I do a lot of counseling couples, but the most enjoyable counseling I do is premarital counseling. It's just a lot of fun. Um, they like each other, for one thing. That's really a good thing, and uh, sort, of, sort of nice to have that. <laughs> but and this happens fairly often. I'll get a, a couple that's going to get married. They're in their first session, and it's premarital counseling. They're all excited, and they're all, you know, just entwined, and they're twirling each other's hair, and <laughs> touching each other's ears, and it's just, yeah. And uh, so we're, so we're uh, going through the, what we're going to do, and, you know, and, and somewhere in, the, in that course of that first session, I say, well, tell me about your last conflict. Let's talk about how you're doing with conflict resolution, just so you have an idea. And uh, this happen, doesn't happen all the time, but often enough, uh, this couple will just look stunned and they'll look at each other and back at me, and uh, usually one or the other will look at me and say, oh, we never fight. And I just want to flick their little heads when they say that. <laughs> I just, no, don't, don't do that to yourselves, because it will come. And usually I'll give them the assignment, between now and the next time you come in, you must have a conflict. They look at me like, <laughs> Why did we come to him? <laughs> Listen, all of us have conflict in our relationships. Conflict is common to all marriages. And it is common to my marriage as well. Uh, I, I don't, uh, I use all these by permission, by the way. We don't fight a lot, but when we do, it's usually what we call really good ones. Um, one of our really good ones happened a few years ago, and um, it was pretty classic in terms of our relationship. In Orlando, we don't usually go down to what we call the tourist area. Disney, International Drive in southwest Orlando, that, that tends to be tourist country, which we love you for coming down. Thank you for supporting our economy. Come on, all of you come down. But we usually don't go there. But occasionally, if we, we can get some free tickets, we'll go to Disney. If we just wait around, eventually you, there, there are ways where you know, somehow we get a hold of some free passes. 
And Renee and I had a pass to Epcot Center where all the old people go to Disney. And um, so we're that age and, and uh, I don't really, to confess to you, I don't like to go there all that much. It's usually hot and crowded and uh, there's just a lot of money that you have to spend usually when you go. But, it, it, but we wanted to go, wanted to do something special. We had these free passes. So I said, let's go to Epcot. So I'm being a good soldier. I'm just like, you know, let's go. Let's, we're, gonna have a, we're gonna have a good day, good time. Good day, good time. And uh, <laughs> I was great for the first four hours. I tell you, I was stellar. It was awesome. I was just like engaged, having good conversations. I was just like husband of the year, easy, easy winner. Um, and... Um, Renee was having a good time too. I was really excited that, that she, we were connecting well and we had a, a late lunch. And over lunch, after four hours of stellar husbanddom, husbanddom I uh, said, hey, hon, uh, when do you want to go? Now, this is, is the uh, continuation of a long, a marriage-long conflict we've had of me not liking to last a long time in social settings. I'm an introvert. You know, people sap energy from me. You know, I'll die if I'm there, there too long. You know, I'll just die. And uh, my wife is energized by people. She loves being with people. So, you know, we'll be at wedding receptions and I'll go, uh, you know, can we beat the traffic? You know, <laughs> they haven't even started eating yet. And, uh, <laughs> So this is the culmination of a, a lot of this kind of conflict. And I will tell you that my wife was not pleased that I asked that question. This is after four hours of just being wonderful. <laughs> Did I mention that? Uh, she looked at me and she said, I, can't, I cannot believe you're doing this now. Of course, I knew immediately what it was, but... I played dumb, and I said, I said, what? Which didn't make it better. She said, okay, let's go, I'm done. I said, no, no, we can stay another half hour or so. <sighs> she said, I wanted to stay for the concert. Now, in the American Pavilion, there's, there's a band shell in front of that down by the lake, and they bring old rock groups back. And the, the group that was playing that evening at 6 o'clock was the Grassroots. And you'd have to be old like me to remember the Grassroots. But man, they, you know, they were a favorite, both Renee and mine, in my midnight reflections when I tell the world I love you. You know, songs, great songs like that. And uh, uh, she said, I wanted to stay for the concert. Well, this is four more hours. I had done my four hours of stellar husbanddom. I was done. So we start to argue. There's nothing so frustrating as a public argument. <laughs> and I'm, I'm walking around behind her. I said, oh, honey, we can do this and this. And said, nope, done. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And she's heading, you know, the Epcot, the big ball at Epcot. So we ended up on one of the little little curbings there, about that high, sitting there, just having this argument back and forth. Thousands of people are going by us. You know, I, you know, I'm sure wondering what in the world this couple is doing. I'm just, I'm, oh, I'm so angry because I'm just not appreciated, and she is so angry. 
because she's over it with my let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay, who's right? <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> you ask my wife? Pff, not even a question. Of course she's. I, you know what I said? I said, I can't believe you're ruining my day like this. She said, exactly. I can't believe you're ruining my day like this. Back forth, back forth. You ever find yourself in that? The ability to understand how to handle conflict goes to the heart of living the Christian life. And I'll tell you the conflict that you need to handle the most is the conflict represented in your relationships right here. You know, you know the statement I hear more than any other statement? My husband will be nice to the mailman. My husband will be nice to people he doesn't know. My husband will just go out of his way for people he doesn't know, but he will not be nice to me. My wife will be the sweetest person. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Talking on the phone, her friends, but she won't be sweet with me. Do you know why? You know why that happens? I'll tell you why. There's unresolved conflict in your relationship. And something happened or a series of things happened over the years, and every little thing that happens, it just sort of ticks away. Ticks away, drip, drip, drip. And you get to a place where you're just going, I'm not doing it anymore. That's not what we're called to. We're called to something greater than that. So conflict resolution is necessary to have a healthy marriage. I ask couples all the time who are in conflict why, why they haven't resolved the conflict. And, and, and often they just stare back and, 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 and mumble, I don't know. I said, well, did, did anyone ask for forgiveness? And they'll, they'll say, well, I think so. You know the problem with my, I'll tell you the problem with my conflict. I, I subconsciously, unconsciously just bought into the dust settle method of conflict resolution. And here's what it is. You have a little dust up, and what do you do? You just get quiet and you wait for the dust to settle, right? And then you get on with your life. Is anything resolved? No, but everything seems to be run fine. Everything, we're talking again. You know, they're getting back to normal, right? But every conflict you have that's not resolved, it's just there, there's, a little, there's a little list that you make. And you not, might not even be conscious of it, but it will weigh on you and it weighs on me. Sometimes we forget to forgive. Who in your life do you have difficulty forgiving? Do you have conflict right now in your relationship? Do you have things that are outstanding in terms of you really haven't resolved them? I had a hard time that day getting to a place where I could even begin to forgive my wife, but I got it backwards in terms of what, how I was going about it. So here's what our text says. Remember our text, Colossians chapter 3? Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, we talked about these virtues last hour, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Now, verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone. And then Paul, very wisely, through the influence of the Holy Spirit, makes this statement. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
So two things in here I want, I want to focus on. First is this, forbear. Forbear. Bear with one another. The word actually is forbearance. Uh, it, it means to, to hold up, to endure. It's someone who is not easily provoked, tolerant, patient. We talked about patience last hour. The uh, movie, The Witness, old movie, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford was a Philadelphia policeman. He <clears throat> gets involved in a plot against his life, and he has to run away. He runs away to Amish country. Remember that movie? He lives with this Amish family. And he uh, goes, goes through the, the experience of, of this culture that is, is really a very, very peaceful culture in terms of how they respond to other people. And one of the, one of the great scenes in that movie is, is uh, he's with some other Amish people. He's dressed as an Amish person. They're going into town. There's some tourists there. And uh, some of these younger age tourists are making fun of the Amish. They, they, they are ridiculing them. And one, one young man takes an ice cream cone. And uh, the actor is Alexander Gudinoff. He's playing an Amish man. And uh, he goes up to, to this Amish guy and he takes the ice cream cone and he flicks it on his nose, just leaves some ice cream right on his nose. Because why? Because he knows that the, the, the Amish will not respond in anger. They're forbearing people. Of course, Harrison Ford, who's not of that persuasion, sees this and just clocks the guy in the nose, you know, Amish guy in a rage kind of thing. And of course, that, 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 that's noteworthy. But uh, I remember thinking to myself, I wonder how forbearing I am. Best defense is a good offense, right? Get the first punch in. Do you have congregational meetings here? Yeah. Congregational meetings are really interesting to me when it comes to forbearing. I, I, I wonder sometimes about angry and hurtful words said because people don't embrace what God's called us to. Bear with one another. Satan will concentrate his major attacks on your marriage and he will hit you in the area of conflict and it will hit you in the area of not being forbearing. We, we quoted it last hour, James 1.19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and what? Slow to anger. Why? James goes on. Here it is. For man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. And I, I really want to call on you to remember the five-second rule. So we're called on to forgive. Paul says, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Can I just implore you and encourage you and exhort you to begin forgiving each other? The most important person you have to forgive is the person who is your spouse. God's called us to that. And it's an interesting context, in interesting passage in terms of the, the context of it because we're called on to forgive as we have been forgiven. The word forgive there for us is a continual action. 
He says, have a spirit of, of forgiving where you just continually forgive. And, and the word for forgive as the Lord forgave you is a past, it's an aorist indicative. It's a past action once for all. You are a forgiven person. I am a forgiven person in Christ. How dare we not? How dare we not? Extend that to the people in our lives. That's what Paul is calling us to do. Here's what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. And I don't know who came up with forgiving us forgetting. It's silly. You can't go in your mind and eradicate a memory. I remember buying a car from a dishonest salesman my first years of, of, of uh, car purchasing. He promised me something and he didn't come through. Boy, it made me mad. And I had to forgive him, but I didn't forget. I didn't go back and buy a car from him. Forgiveness is not a minimization of the offense. It's not saying, well, that's okay. It's all right. Did you ever do that? Just to try to stave off a conflict? It's not okay. We live in a world where there's, there's abusive actions, verbal, emotional, physical, sexual abuse. You don't minimize those offenses. Those offenses need to be, need to be treated for what they are. Forgiveness isn't conditional. I hear this a lot. Well, I'll, I'll forgive him if he promises never to do it again. I had a, I had a wife recently in my office. Uh, her husband has an alcohol problem. She says, I'll forgive him if he swears he'll never have another drink. And the man wisely looked at her and said, I can't do that. I can tell you I will do everything I can not to drink. But her forgiveness was conditional. You can't have conditional forgiveness and forgive the way we were forgiven by Christ. And it's not a quick fix. It's not, and, and men fall prey to this. You know, I'll, I'll work a situation where there's, there's finally some forgiveness. The wife will forgive her husband, then he'll come in the next session and he'll go, oh man, she's still hurt. I go, yeah? Well, she forgave me. I, I can't believe she's still hurt. I said, no. Forgiveness is the beginning of the healing process. It starts the healing process. The hurt many times will last a while, while that healing takes place. Forgiveness is the relinquishing of the right to use the offense as a weapon. Again, in other arguments. That reminds me, you ever do that? That reminds me years ago. That reminds me last week. That reminds me three days ago. Now, if you forgave that offense, you cannot use that offense as a weapon in a future conflict. But there are two things I really want you, want you, three things really, I want you to get in terms of the whole idea of forgiveness and your marriage. First of all, forgiveness always costs you something. It always costs you something. Now, what did it cost Jesus to forgive us? It cost him his very life. Do we deserve it? No. Is it unconditional love? Yes. When I forgive, I give up my right to get even. I give up my right to lecture. I give up my right to feel superior. I give up my right for vindication, for justice. I release it. Forgiveness is unconditional in terms of how we are forgiven and how we're asked to, to, to forgive 
each other. And it's the pathway to experiencing God's forgiveness. When I forgive, I can more easily experience God's forgiveness for me. We had a couple in our church. Uh, it was her second marriage, his first. He was the hero. He came into this relationship. She was a committed believer. He was a bit marginal in terms of his faith, said he would go to church with her, was open to it. But as they began to, to uh, live life together, he fell away more and more from his commitment to go to church. He was very devastated, disappointed, tried to deal with it as best she could. Found out about a year and a half ago that he had had an affair and uh, it was devastating for her. And I remember her, I remember her uh, saying, you know, I thought to myself, I have tried to control this man and tried to make him into something he did not want to be. And the first thing I have to do is release him to the Lord. And the second thing I have to do is extend him forgiveness. She says, the worst pain I've ever been in in my life. He asked for the forgiveness. It was granted. And the marriage, I can tell you gladly today, is just in a great place. But it came about from a woman who said, I will forgive in an unconditional way. And she said, I was, it's the first time in my life I really appreciated how I've been forgiven. Because Paul ends this, this verse, forgive as the Lord forgave you. God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't say, I'll withhold my forgiveness until you say you're sorry. He didn't say, you gotta do these things or you have to pray this prayer. He just said, it's yours, free of charge. And as you're in the process of forgiving, you will also have to deal with your own sin. So we argued for about 45 minutes under the ball at Epcot. I, 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 45-minute argument. It was awful. I'd done so well. And now I was in this midst of this terrible, terrible time. Um, we finally resolved it. And you know, you know what started the, the resolution? Because I, I didn't think I'd done anything that wrong and certainly not worth of humbling myself for my Norwegian wife. <laughs> and um, I, I finally looked at her and said, wait a second. I'm sorry for not being sensitive to one of the conflicts we've had for years and I should have known better, and I did know better. And I need you to forgive me. There was an uncomfortable pause, and she did, but then she did come around. She said, I, I forgive you. I said, what do you want to do? She said, well, we're here. We might as well stay. You ever, you ever, you know, after a conflict, you're going, you're sort of like you're dazed, and you're sort of, you sort of walked around. And uh, we stayed and listened to the grassroots. We stayed all that time, listened to the grassroots that night. Um, the original singer of the grassroots was there. It was really distressing when he walked out with a cane. <laughs> very, very sad. Listen, 
Some of you are holding on to anger. And you know what your anger is? It's a defense against your hurt. And I get it. The anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. You've got to come to a place, I have to come to a place, where I live out what God calls me to do. I need to forgive as the Lord forgave me. Life's too short. You do not want to stay in conflict. And if you're angry and don't know why, you need to do a little bit of work and figure out what that anger is covering up. What hurt is there? And address it. And I would encourage you to do that. Two weeks ago, save a day, it was 10, 10.30 at night. My wife was driving the car and I was in it. I, had, I was playing tennis earlier that day and got a little bit lightheaded, didn't feel right. Uh, went to the side of the court, playing with three other guys who were playing doubles, and uh, laid down for a little bit because I'm a knucklehead guy. I got back up and said, I feel a little bit better now. Played a little more. This guy got lightheaded again, a little tightness in my chest. I'm going, hmm. So I said, I better stop. So I went through the rest of the day, got, went home, cleaned up, tried to rest, had some counseling appointments, went out to eat with a couple. I was doing okay, but I could tell something wasn't quite right. <laughs> when I went to bed, I laid my ear on my pillow. It was the first time I had heard my heartbeat all day, and my heart was going at least 150 beats a minute, not slowing down. Just bam, 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 bam. I go, Renee, my heart. And I had heart surgery a year and a half before, so it's a little concerning. I go, it's not slowing down. And deep breathing didn't do it, nothing did it. And so we called the doc, and we, I knew we were going to have to go to the emergency room, so she's driving me to the emergency room. So I'm on my way. My heart's not slowing down. And I'm going, I don't think this is like uh, life-ending, honey, which I'm sure she was glad to hear. But I did look at her. She was driving. I said, I need to tell you. I really... I'm glad you're my wife. And I really appreciate the 37 years we've been together. And I'm really glad to be able to say that I love you so much and want to thank you. No idea what's going to happen. But I just want to be able to get that in. Give me some good points later, too. So we're crying on the way to the emergency room. I had an atrial flutter, uh, and uh, it's a condition that your heart gets. It's probably as a result of my surgery, some scarring in the heart. It's not fixed yet. You can pray for me. We're, we're trying to figure that out. I didn't know how I did. I, mean, I did pretty well today, energy-wise, so I'm really glad for that. I didn't know if I was going to make it here. But God saw fit. But I want to tell you, it's such a pleasure to be able to thank God for my spouse. And I want each of you to be in a place, in a marriage, where you're continually thanking God for your spouse. And you're allowing him to show you what you need to do to communicate well, listen and express. And allowing him to show you 
how to resolve conflict so you can get to a place where you can experience everything that God wants you to experience in your marriage. Pray with me, please. Lord, wherever we are in this room, you know each individual. You know their hearts better than they know it themselves. I pray that for the good marriages here, that they would become even better. That you would take them to the next level of intimacy and transparency, and that your love would be shown in their relationship. I pray for those who are experiencing some difficulty, whether it's in their marriage or in their family or just with the circumstances that's causing difficulty in their, in their marriage. I pray a blessing on them and that they would address it and that you would bring healing. And for any marriage, if there's any marriage in here, Lord, that is, that is just suffering a lot of pain, would you visit it today and would you bring your healing touch as only you can? Help us to see that it's not our spouse, it's us. And help us to grow closer to you and to each other. Give these men and women joy in their marriage, in their families. And I pray this in Christ's name, amen.